0: Log Talk Radio.
1: back everybody this is Zenobia Bailey and my guest today is Linda Fell she is an award-winning best-selling author and creator of the five-star book series grief diaries and I'd like to give you a very very hearty welcome and I'm sure that all of the listeners are doing the same Linda welcome to the show
0: well thank you so much it's a pleasure to be
1: here and our, um, as I mentioned, um, she created a series entitled Grief Diaries, and that's what we're going to be focusing on for the most part today. Uh, when we think about grief, Linda, what would you like to say for our audience to help us sort of center this chat today?
0: Well, You know, when people think of grief, they think of death. And while that is true, it is not the only part of grief. Grief comes in many forms throughout life. And, you know, people grieve the the ending of a career or the loss of a marriage or the loss of a home or, you know, things like uh, living with endometriosis. Or eating disorders. You know, losses come in so many forms and grief affects many facets of our life. And, you know, the reason for starting the, the book series was to offer comfort to people who share the same journey. And because when you swap stories, it makes you feel less alone. And that's very comforting to know that you're not the only one. And you, you yeah. think, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm I'm not the only one. And, you know, there's a lot of healing that takes place in that. And so with Three Diaries, it's a book series and a, a, an anthology. All the titles in the series are an anthology. And to date we have 450 writers from around the world who are contributing their stories about living through and surviving and sometimes thriving in different kinds of hardships and challenges that life throws at us. And so not all of them are death. They, you know, there's, It's a variety of different kinds of losses. So it's really kind of a, a fascinating glimpse into the spirit of human resiliency. Um, but it's also a really great way to connect with each other and say, you know what, I survived it and so can you. And so that, in a nutshell, kind of sums up the book series, Creep Diaries. <laughs> it, it keeps growing. It started out with eight different books on losses, uh, you know, because that's what people think of with grief. And then the writers began asking me, would you do this book? Would you do that book? Our 15th title uh, that was just released was Through the Eyes of an Eating Disorder. And the writers are women, all of them women in this particular book, I, that lived with anorexia nervosa, bulimia, and binge eating. And it's really, really interesting on how they, how it affected their life, you know, the, the different ways that living with an eating disorder caused them to grieve. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's really cool that they were courageous enough to share, you know, a disease that's really hidden. And a lot of grief is really hidden for people.
1: That's very true. Could you unfold that a little bit for us in terms of the eating disorders, how some of them portray their um, situations in terms of grieving? Maybe that would help. Sure. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Well, when you think of of an eating disorder, and I'm going to use anorexia nervosa as an excuse, or correction as an example, Uh, you know, it's a mental illness that is shrouded in secrecy. You do things that you don't want people to know. And so what happens is it impacts your relationships. It impacts sometimes your work. It severely impacts your health. So those are what we call living losses, and one of the co-authors on that book is a woman who has lived with anorexia since she was 11. She's now 65 years old, and it cost her her marriage after having four children, and, you know, it really, I mean, something like that where you are trying to hide the severity of your illness, you know, causes you to do behavior that might be, uh, you know, in, impact your relationships. And for her, it did cost her her marriage. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that now at age 65, she's getting her PhD and she's doing fantastic, which is why she's an that's advocate. One, and, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's just, that's just one example. Of, of how those kinds of things can cause us grief in other
1: areas of our life. Yes, and then um, prior to us going live, we, you and I were talking about, um, I had mentioned to you that I had recently come to the point where I recognized that the loss of some of my relationships, um, they're living, the individuals are still living, but the relationships have died and the impact that that has had on me and i don't know maybe we could you could help me work through a little bit of that even now <laughs> um, well i think it's very important when you
0: yeah when you have that kind of loss i call that a living loss because the person is still here but your relationship you know your your hope your future for that relationship is no longer there it's gone and so you grieve the loss of what your hopes and your future was going to be that you had envisioned in your mind and so it's very important to allow yourself to honor the emotions of grief as you as you and I'm going to give an example of my sister was married for 30 years and she ended up divorcing and she still grieves 3 years later for the loss of that marriage and yeah. You know, that's a really tough one. And, and and so, you know, whether you think of it as a living loss or a hidden loss, it's one that many people go through. And it is a very big form of grief. And so to work through it, you just apply the same principles of grief uh, as you would, you know, to the loss of a, a, a spouse or a, a child. Is to treat yourself with TLC, well, there's, all, there's different steps that you take. And, and you know, no, no journey is the same as someone else's, even if the parameters are the same. And so what's going to resonate within you might not resonate within someone else, but it's important to understand that you're, you are grieving and to allow yourself to grieve that loss, that loss of the relationship, because that's huge.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. In preparation for the show today, I... Reminded myself by looking up once again the uh, stages of grief. <clears throat> uh, one was is shock and denial, and I was shocked. And um, I'm not sure I was denying, but I probably was. If I I did put a spin on it, well, it, it might not be what I'm thinking. It may it's probably not what it looks like. So would you consider that denial?
0: You know, I'm going to be very truthful with you in that I'm not a big fan of what we traditionally think of as the stages of grief, and here's why. When Elizabeth Kubler-Ross coined that, it was for people who were in preparatory grief, people who were losing a loved one to an illness, such as cancer,
1: Uh, and it didn't
0: apply to other forms of grief, yet what happened, because it was groundbreaking what she does, and actually, you know, her work continues to this day, but what we found is that with many forms of grief, you might experience 18 stages within the span of a 24-hour period. There's no rhyme or reason. It feels very similar to being on a roller coaster where you go around blind corners and dark tunnels, and you really don't know what to expect from one second to the next. And so it's not a a neat and tidy, uh, you know, five stages. And so with denial, I've never been in denial about my daughter's loss. I, you know, losing my daughter, I've, I've never been in denial. And so... Does that make me an anomaly? I don't think so. I think that you know absolutely these stages not. apply to you know some people We all go through the you know there's different stages, but they're not in any particular order, and it's not a neat and tidy journey that many people believe oh, and so not. one of the yeah, so one of the things that you know we're doing in this generation is helping people understand that it's not one size fits all and so because what happened? Were people trying like to do you. that?
1: Was that the well, that
0: people were again, trying to fit it? Well, again, because we have all been raised with Elizabeth Kubler Ross's five stages, that's what we expect when we face it ourselves, and it's anything but. I, I, you know, again, you can experience a wide range of emotions, way more than five, in a span of, of twenty four hours. And you know, it's kinda of like one day you might feel like you're doing okay, then the next day the wind's knocked out of you. There's there's no rhyme or reason and that is what's normal. And and so Absolutely. what we're trying to Yeah, so what we're trying to do is help people to to understand that it's not one size fits all. What what works for one person may not work for another and that is okay. It is okay to do what feels best to you because instinctively your spirit knows what's best. And if today, if I'm having a rough day today, for no reason I can put my finger on, it's okay for me to shower myself with TLC. It's okay for me to put on a fuzzy pair of luxury socks and say, you know what? I'm just not having a good day today, and that's going to be okay.
1: And, well, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely I know that.
0: So, yes. Yeah, and so I think that's really important for people to, to really honor that. And, you know, the next day the sun comes out again. The clouds, the clouds part and the sun comes out and life is good again. And then, you know, again, you can be knocked on your off your feet, you know, a few months from now and, and you're thinking, okay, wait a minute, what happened here? Again, that's normal. And so... Yes. It's, it's really important to just go with the flow and not try to apply those, those you know, those, what we used to think of as the five stages. Because actually, those, you know, her work is, is, you know, renowned and for good reason, but the media, you know, inappropriately applied it to all forms of grief. And it was, she set out to do it for preparatory grief, those who were, uh, you know, having someone die of, a, of an illness you know, where the prognosis was very poor. so And that's what we See, call I never knew,
1: grief. I never knew that people were trying to um, compact it and make it, you know, yes. one stage flow into yes. the other. I was thinking right. more of the, here are the stages and they happen when they happen. Um, I know I lost a, a girlfriend, a dear, dear girlfriend, and I, I'm still, not, I'm not reeling from it, but I'm, I still grieve her, as you mentioned, when we first started the show, but it took me seven years for a friend, seven years, to be able to say her name, to hear music that she liked, things like that, without yeah. bur- bursting out yeah. and crying. Right. And on that note, you mentioned your daughter, and I would like to just take a quick break and then come back and uh, pick up with um, what it was in your life that um Caused you, where that was instrumental in your start of grief diaries.
0: That so we'll be
1: back in just a few seconds, audience. Okay, hey, Linda. Your organization um, is called Allie. Uh, help me. I, I just lost my my place. Help me with the name of the organization again.
0: Allie. I own Allie Blue Media, and it is named after our daughter and her favorite color. And mm. it it's, it incorporates our books. Uh, we're a publisher. We publish not only the Greek Diary series, but we also publish private author books, uh, radio, broadcasting, filming. Really, it, it just kind of umbrellas everything that I do. And, uh, yeah, and so it's, it's named after her because, you know, her, the death, her death seven years ago was a pivotal moment for me. And I uh, really changed the entire trajectory of my life. And, you know, no child ever says they want to grow up to work in the grief nut field, <laughs> you, know, no. you know, or to write, no. write about grief and loss. And, right. you know, most of us find ourselves here um, because of our own, you know, story. And my story begins in 2007 where I had this dream of my daughter dying as a backseat passenger in a car and in her place was the book. and it was such a terrible dream it I still remember it to this day and two years later I indeed lost our daughter as a backseat passenger in a car and she was coming home from a swimming and less than three years after that my dear sweet hubby my soulmate I adore with every fiber of my being, he just, you know, men grieve differently than women. They're just wired different. And he had his grief all pent up inside, and it, it really made for the perfect storm. And on June 4, 2012, he suffered a major stroke that robbed him of his speech, his reading, his writing. He was paralyzed on his right side. And so I began a different kind of grief. I was grieving for the living. I, I was grieving for the, you know, my husband, even though he was still alive, and I was tremendously grateful yes. to God that he he lived, but he was left with deficits that suddenly, um, you know, I I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? So it was a very scary, dark time. And for me personally, I found that when I help others, it helped my own heart to heal. And that was huge for me, huge. It was yes. really another pivotal moment that I you know, I could be curled in a fetal position or I could get out and do something that made me feel better and helping others makes me feel better. And one thing led to another and I started grief diaries last summer I started it twelve months ago. And God Are you put serious me on that this path. is just
1: twelve months this is just twelve months ago? This is the work of just twelve months ago? I did not know that. It,
0: 12 months ago I started out and I put out an email to a bunch of people who had attended a, a convention that I had hosted. And I said, I, you know, I'm going to do these books um, where I want people's stories because, you know, a collection of stories is so much richer than one perspective alone, right? Yes, and, right. you know, it, it, again, it's not one size fits all. So I can tell my story, but I'm only going to touch a few people. So when you have in a book... Twenty people sharing their stories. You're going to touch so many more, and so I, I set out to do the first date and published them in December of this last year. And of course, the snowball uh, took off, and we've done our fifteenth. And by the end of this year, we'll have thirty books in the the series um, in print. And um, yeah, and so you know, again, you know, we're seven years into the loss of our daughter. She was 15 years old, and it's a path that you don't get over a loss like that. You don't get over the loss of a long-term relationship. What you do is you take that sorrow and you just weave it in the tapestry of your life. It becomes part of you. And here's a really cool thing, is that the human heart, God made the heart where it can hold joy at the same time as it holds sorrow. True story. And so you can go on and find joy again in your life and I have do I have joy every single day and every single moment no I don't because we're human and I have moments where the clouds come and the storm is right there over me and I just know that they're going to pass and the sun's going to come out again and they do and and so you know for me I found my footing by helping others because that helps my own heart to heal. And I also know that the storm isn't, it's not a blue sky from here on out. You know, just as the true weather, you know, our daily weather around us, some days it's partly cloudy, some days it's stormy, some days the sun is just glorious. And that's how it is in life. And when the storm comes, I just kind of hang on and treat myself gently and I know that the sun's going to come out again, and it does.
1: It always does, doesn't it? It always does. that the thing you said about you feel better when you help others, and we were talking about God prior to the show, and you've mentioned him a couple of times in uh, this conversation with our audience. There's a scripture that um, just comes to my mind when I hear you say this. And that is, it's in Second Corinthians, and it says, um, "Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we received from God." So, Amen. Amen. And so, Amen. <laughs> I I,
0: I think it's really important though this is for me personally is that in everything that I do I keep my faith close to my heart and I feel personally that when you walk the walk rather than just talk the talk you're a, a beacon of light for those in the dark and you know it's God works through me, I'm just a vessel. But I don't care what someone else's belief is. If they are an atheist and they're hurting, I comfort them. If they have oh, sure, a different, sure, sure. you know, sure. faith or religion that I don't have, I don't judge because if you look at Jesus, you know, he he comforted the lepers, right? He didn't go to the church. To go comfort people who who already had comfort, he went to find those in the dark, and that's what I'm a big fan of. is doing the same. it's reaching up to those, no matter who they are, no matter what their their story is. They could be a a triple murderer on death row, but they're still human, and I would comfort them. And because it's not and up I to think me that's to judge. so, yeah, I think and, that's and so with the diaries. Everybody's welcome to, to contribute, and that's really important to me, that those who have faith, that they, if they want to write about their faith in their stories, absolutely. For those that don't believe in God or believe in the afterlife, and that's what they want to write in their story, absolutely, because it's their story. And what happens is when you give someone a platform to share their story, no matter if it differs from your own, a little bit of healing takes place for them as the writer. It's very cathartic when they have their voice heard, even if I don't believe it or, you know, follow their that same belief. That's not up to me. And so I, I for that reason when I when I do my work, I usually keep my faith very close to my heart and and, and you know, have my arms wide open to everybody. And because who who needs a comfort the most the people who feel hopeless, and for those people who know God has their back and they trust in God, you know, they they've got hope because they know that there's a bigger plan at work, right? But it's the people who feel well, we hopeless hope so. who are the sometimes, ones.
1: Some, sometimes even they don't don't seem to have the hope. But I I hear what you're saying. I I definitely hear, yeah. and I think it's yeah. beautiful that you offer a platform. For everyone to have everybody, a voice. absolutely. Uh, now, if someone was interested, I'm going to veer off here for a moment, and then I'll come back. But if someone was interested in being considered as you know as a contributor, how would they contact you?
0: Griefdiaries.com, and Griefdiaries started out first with our radio show a couple of years ago, and evolved from there. And so it was a natural title for the series when I came up with it last summer. I, but griefdiaries.com, and there's a button there. To, actually, right on the front page, it talks a little bit about sharing your story and uh, how you can join us. And there's many titles that are open right now and many more coming down the pike. And so people register. It's Of it's course, it's free to contribute. Now I want to put that out there because some people say, "Well, how come you're not paying me for for my story?" Well, I'm a humanitarian at heart. We don't pay for stories and we don't charge you for stories like some publishers do. Um, yes. You know, it's, it's it's just we want to help you share your story, and so it's free to share your story. And you, it's not. This is not a juried process. I don't judge your story and say ah ah. Uh, that one's boring, going to throw it out. I, every story is included, and that's really that's important boring. to me because, again, you know, my story might not resonate within the hearts of everybody, um, but somebody else, you know, might reach someone that my story might not. And so it's not up to me to judge whether your story is good or not. It's, it's your story, and that's, that's sacred to me. That's sacred to yeah. God. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, I want to give them a platform.
1: Yeah, I, I I love that. You know, I've I've heard people say, you know, I was telling what happened, what my experience was, and she or he discounted it. But if it's yours, it's yours. I cannot discount that's right. what you've experienced, and you cannot discount what I've experienced. And that's part that's of that's right. That's part of the problem that we see in our society today. You know, um, oh, that didn't happen. I mean, how can anyone Say that the Holocaust didn't happen, that slavery didn't happen, that the what was you know wrought on the Indians didn't happen, and 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 yet people do when they've had people and judge. These had Yeah these experiences. Yeah, I and it's to, very very um, sad. But
0: but they do judge is. a lot it of really people is. judge, and it's um, I kind of stand there a little dumbfounded, um, and now of course I'm not perfect, I'm I'm human, we're human. And so you know judging is um, a bigger problem for some people than others, but nonetheless, it's part of our makeup and uh, but I'm with you, you know it's, it's it's we don't have the right to judge someone else's journey, you know not at all
1: not at all. well, before we end, I wanted there are a couple of things that I wanted to pull out from uh, one of your bios that I found, but before I do that. Is there something that you have on your heart that you'd like to share with the audience today? Gosh, there's
0: tons. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, pick one, Linda. Know, <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm going I'm to stick with this. Is, this is, I, I'm a big fan of quotes. And there's a Swedish proverb that says, shared joy is double joy, shared sorrow is half a sorrow. And many people are shy about how to help someone who is going through a loss of any sort. And part of it is, you know, again, it's like, oh, they might be contagious. If they got divorced, oh, I don't want to be around because maybe that might happen to me too Uh, or, you know, what have you. And, And so really just being there for somebody is the biggest gift you can give them. And so, again, the Swedish proverb, Shared joy is double joy. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. And it's so, just beautiful. giving someone a hug and listening is really the greatest gift you can give someone who's going through a loss. So, that would be the one thing I want to sum up for the listeners.
1: <laughs> that is just beautiful. Now, I want to end with this and just tell you what a breath of fresh air that you have been on the show. And oh, thank uh, you. Well, Oh, absolutely! Very kind. There's nothing to thank us for. It's you have been, and it would be that way no matter what. But particularly knowing what you have endured, you and your husband have endured, and what you're still enduring and will endure, um, audience. This is what I wanted to share and just have you think on. Linda says, "Once a bereaved mother, always." a bereaved mother. My heart is a bit like a broken teacup that has been glued back together. All the pieces are there, but they might not fit as seamlessly as they once did. Some days the glue is strong and unyielding. Other days that glue is wet and threatens to spring a leak. Nonetheless, that teacup still holds water remember this audience. It still holds water. She goes on to say. Well, mostly coffee. Strong <laughs> coffee. <laughs> oh Linda, I love it. And I look Aww, forward thank you, to Sanofia. meeting you. It's just a, it's wonderful that we live in the same area. Um and your next your the book signing that I knew about I was going out of town, but the next one if you would just make me aware of it, please put me on your mailing list. I will be right there.
0: Well, I How think about the next that? one's in, camp, in Tampa. So
1: <laughs> well, I will not be right there.
0: <laughs> you know, thank well, you, you put I, me on the mailing list. Your... so I'll
1: know what local events you're at. Uh, I, I just will really I to meet face to face, and uh, you know, give I you would a be big honored big to give you a hug. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, we said that's it all, said all it's then. about.
0: <laughs> I
1: yes. So, did you, know, did you price hear price that one. we said the same thing? I want to give you a hug. You want to give me a hug? <laughs> yep. Hugs okay. Well, one. I look forward to yep. talking to you again on the show, and we're as well. going to say goodbye for now. Okay. Anything else, Linda? Before I I bow out. You know,
0: I'll leave you with my final other favorite. Another favorite quote: Helen Keller once said, "Walking with a friend in the dark." Is better than walking alone in the light,
1: and oh, that is so I, true. Amen to that. Well, yep. you have—I know that you have lit, helped to light many a path for many of your friends. And oh, thank um, you. So goodbye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening.